Good morning. I want to reflect a little bit on the passage that we've had read from 1 Corinthians and, and indeed share this moment together. Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the meal of giving thanks. It's one of those really special things that we get to celebrate, to take part in, that Jesus himself instituted as we come to Holy Week. We remember that he gathered with his friends, that his disciples were invited together in the upper room, that he'd made preparation for them and served them with bread and with wine and spoke to them about a new covenant, a new hope, the great rescue that he was about to accomplish on the cross, his death, his resurrection, and in so doing, inviting to us. I don't know when, we, when you think about uh, the Lord's Supper, when you think about when it's been most special, when it's been most profound. I remember thinking back to myself not uh, so long ago as I was thinking about today of the times that, that communion, the Lord's Supper, has been particularly special. I can think back to times gathered in this place, in the church building, but also up at the school, when we have gathered around the table And we have broken bread and we have shared a cup. And there's a very strong presence, sense of the Lord, of his grace and goodness. I'm reminded too of of, of being gathered with sisters and brothers under a tree in the hot sun in Africa, sitting in the red uh, dust and breaking a small piece of bread and drinking a cup. I think too of, uh, of being in India, of, of gathering with our sisters and brothers, uh, sitting on the floor, of breaking a japati and having some sort of kind of cordial that was red and sharing that. They do it slightly different there, but again, the same sense of being together with God's people and being together in the presence of the Lord himself. We are gathered I remember, too, sitting either at a hospital bedside and also when I visited uh, people that are housebound and brought with me the elements for the Lord's Supper. What am I trying to drive at? Paul, in his teaching to the church in Corinth, is impressing upon them in all of their messiness, in all of the things that they're kind of living and doing and getting carried away with some things and correcting other things, we've, we've talked about division, draws them back to some of the key features, to trust in the Lord. He is the wisdom and the power of God. He is calling them back to unity. Don't be divided. He's calling them back to the good ethic of Christian living in the earlier chapters. We haven't yet covered them, but we will, about what it looks like to say, I'm uh, confessing Jesus as Lord, I'm his follower. And indeed, he draws them back at the heart of their worship, at the heart of their togetherness. He speaks of this meal, of this event, of Lord's Supper that becomes kind of one of those things that is woven in and out of their worshipping life together, that has become part of the tapestry of church life right through the centuries, right across the planet, that God's people, under the inspiration and invitation of Jesus himself, say, come as often as you eat and drink this, proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes. I remember reading uh, uh, not so long ago uh, the story of Terry Waite. 
when he was uh, taken captive and imprisoned in Lebanon in the 1980s um, uh, as he was serving there on behalf of the Archbishop of Canterbury. He was, he was held hostage. He was confined for 1,763 days, all of which, bar a few, the last few weeks, was spent in solitary confinement on his own, locked away. He says, having experienced solitude for myself and having tried to make what could have been a negative experience into a positive one, I went through a whole process, he says, from isolation and seeming emptiness, where I felt I was learning nothing. Yet slowly, 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 I was able to convert that experience into something creative. He reflects, he says that his own experience that it was that suffering doesn't need to destroy us. Isolation need not be dreadful. He says you only have to think of the great works of art or the central symbol of the Christian faith, the cross. That's a symbol of suffering that is the key where you also find hope. He goes on to say about the rhythm and the pattern that he established alone in his room. He said, so I fell back on the language of prayer, prayers that I'd learnt. Most mornings I saved a little bread and water in my beaker and I said to myself, the communion service. And so he served himself. He didn't presume to come to the table in his own merit, but trusting in the Lord's. And he said, in his imagination, as he was taking part in that act alone in the room, he was imagining and recognizing and celebrating that he was joining with congregations across the world, in parts of England and America and in every nation. I joined with them together. You see, Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, was writing to people who were in their homes, in house groups, but they would gather together from the early days, possibly in Priscilla and Aquila's home, that they would gather together as a whole people, as far as they could. It would have been a great thronging company. They would gather together in uh, the rooms and in the courtyard, and it seems to be that what they would do is have an agape meal, a love meal, where they would come together and eat together. It seems that things have started to get a little bit problematic, that the, the nature of their society, the nature of their culture was creeping in. We heard it in the reading that said that the rich, the favorite, those with prestige and privilege would eat their fill and perhaps have more than a little to get merry. Whereas those who were slaves, those who were less in the eyes of their society would be left on the periphery, on the outside maybe going hungry, maybe looking in and feeling that they were excluded. And Paul writes to them. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. In other words, in this central moment, in this thing that they had got as a church, they were together in, it had started to be distorted, started to be twisted. And he wants to say, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we are going to keep the main thing the main thing to celebrate, to remember, to take part in the Lord's Supper. And in these verses, he gives them a few guidelines. I want to go through of them, through six of them, particularly quickly, in order to help us as we prepare in a, just a few short minutes to share in this meal together, in our homes, in our houses, together as a family, 
First of all, Paul says to them, reminds them to look up in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 11. Look up. Sorry, look back, he says. Look back and remember what this is about. Look back to Jesus, but understand the context and the depth of this message. Remember, this, uh, this time that Jesus gathered in the Passover week was at Passover. In that event where, where God rescued his people from Egypt, it spoke of release. It spoke of, of that time when they were rescued and they were called to remember annually this great saving act that God had done, where they took the lamb, they sacrificed the lamb, they painted uh, the blood on the doorposts, on the lintels, and the angel of death that evening saw the blood and passed over. They were safe when the angel passed by. Jesus says and takes that image, that reflection, and magnifies it into something new and greater. This meal, this bread and this wine, celebrate that cosmic achievement at Calvary where his blood is shed, not just for a select, elect group, people nonetheless, but this time universally, cosmically, for all to set the captives free. His blood frees you and me. And as such, we can look back with gratitude as we prepare for this moment. We look back to the cross. We remember him, the Lord, the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul says in verse 27 to 28, not only to look back, but to look in. He says, examine yourself. Don't come and eat this meal in an unworthy fashion. Already in Corinthians, in chapter 5, verse 7, he's talked about how a little bit of yeast works through uh, the dough. And he's using yeast here, as, as is often in the case of Scripture, that, that yeast is seen as a negative. It's seen as a representation of evil. So at the Passover, before they would celebrate it, they had to sweep the house. They had to, to make sure that yeast was uh, kind of removed, got rid of. And as such, the bread that they would share, unleavened bread, would be pure. A bit like we're doing lots of at the moment. If you were to have a meal, if you were to have your sandwiches, uh, you wouldn't eat your sandwiches having been out in the garden or having been uh, kind of doing the housework or whatever it would be with dirty hands. You would wash them clean in order to be clean to eat. Now, of course, in, in breaking this bread and drinking this cup, we aren't the ones who take away the sin. Jesus has done that. We've already looked back and remembered about the great rescue, the great redemption on the cross. But there is something about being prepared, of looking in, of examining oneself, of repenting. And in that process of saying, Lord, how are we? Of being honest and genuine. And calling on the name of the Lord to receive the assurance of forgiveness. Whether that's individually or as a family or as a church. To look in. And as we come to this meal, to return to the Lord and say, Lord, cleanse me again. Thirdly, look up. In verse 20, Paul writes to them. 
So then, when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper that you eat? That this is a special moment. It's not an ordinary thing. It's the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus Christ, the risen and ascended one, the reigning one, who is the head of the table. He is the one who invites us to come, that we are to gather with Jesus. That in this meal, it is his strengthening that we receive. That he is the bread of life himself. In this time of challenge where there's so much where we are caused to look in and maybe slightly fearful about what is going on and what may happen, we're called to look up, to look to him, the Lord's Supper. Fourthly, we're told to look around. In verse 29, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. You kind of wonder what Paul is driving at here. Is he saying, as we eat this, uh, eat this meal, we're looking to the body and, and blood of Jesus, the body of Christ in the elements? Or actually, is he, is he using the image and the metaphor that, that he will talk about, about the body of Christ, about his, our family, his family, the other believers? I don't think we have to choose one or the other. I think, actually, both work Together, we're called to look around. We're called to recognize one another at this moment that we are one church family. We're sharing this meal together at the same time in our households, and yet we are unified in Jesus together. Paul is rebuking them in, in chapter 11. We heard that opening reading uh, of saying, don't just take this on your own. Recognize this is something that we do together. This moment, this moment as we come to the table, maybe in the moments of quiet and pause that we will have, maybe take time to remember the faces of other members of the fellowship. Those who you'd normally sit by in the seats, either here in the high street building in the evening or up at the high school in the morning. Who do you normally sit with? Remember and call them to mind. Remember our leaders, those deacons and others that serve amongst us. Remember some of the young people that you see head out to junior church and push and shove every week. Remember some of the children and the families. Remember some of the elderly and we remember as we look around those who are alone you see we're all invited by Jesus Christ all through trusting and faith in the cross to be his guests to gather at this table as his friends as his family together part of the correction Paul is bringing is saying we don't make some superstars and forget the others that this is a unifying, a drawing together in Christ. Look around. Fifthly, look forward. Look forward in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One of the wonders of this meal is so importantly, even today, look forward. That this meal is a foretaste of a greater banquet. That this meal is, is just the hors d'oeuvre of the messianic banquet. 
where we will all be together with Jesus Christ, the perfected bride. As Terry Waite sat in his small room, as people gather today, alone or in family groups or separated from their loved ones, in the midst of the now and the struggle, look up and look forward. For our redemption draws near. The Lord will return. Philip spoke on that from First Peter last week. In a few moments, we're going to use some words that are really kind of some of the most ancient words that the early church developed. And they begin with, lift up your hearts. And the response is, we lift them to the Lord. No matter whether it's persecution or suffering or aloneness or wondering what is going to happen next. The reminder to look forward. We are in the Lord's hands, that he is in control. That in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we declare our God reigns. And sixthly, look, look outwards in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's that word proclaim. It's that word declare. It's that recognition that this is good news that we share, that we are partaking in, but this is good for others too. News today I heard was saying that Google have, have, um, have recognized that, I think it's with every 80,000 cases of corona being diagnosed, the hit rate of people searching online of prayers of how to respond to this are, are growing and growing. That we're well aware that people are asking bigger questions, rightly so, when everything is being shaken. That this meal is not just an inward, but it's an outward. That it is profound and it is central, but it is also a proclamation to look outwards. Whether that's just uh, sending an email or whether that's uh, making a phone call, whether that's having a brief conversation with appropriate distance. But finding out how people are, how people really are. For we know in this meal, as we look back, that we aren't abandoned or forsaken. That this is God's strategy and that this meal is woven into the tapestry of human society still. Whether we're alone or gathered in great numbers, we gather around the Lord. Someone reflecting on this said, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, is battle rations for Christian warriors, not cream cakes for Christian layabouts. That in this meal, he is returning. That in this meal, he draws close. That in this meal, we see who we truly are. And in this meal, we know most wonderfully who he is. Jesus said, my body broken, my blood shed, my body given for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that... Your scriptures teach us in the great times and in the struggle. We thank you for calling us to be your people. 
and we share in this meal that you've said to do so. And I pray you would meet us in it. You would strengthen us and encourage us. You would help us. You would keep us bound together with bonds of love for Jesus and for one another. Help us to keep looking back, to look in, to look up, to look around, to look forward, and to continue to look outwards. In Jesus' name, amen.